There you go. Back there, Lukey. There you go. <clears throat> That's it. Very good. Excellent. Over here, sweetie. There you go. And now... Okay. I need your help this morning, okay? I need you to help me. Fair enough? All right. <clears throat> now, I'm going to give you a piece of paper. Now, it's very, 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 very important that you keep the paper down like this. Don't lift it up, okay? Can you, can you help me with that? Yeah. All right. Uh, Erica, come on up here, sweetie. Now keep this down just like that and come stand right up here. Now you can, you, that's it. You stand and hold the paper down. There, excellent. Way to go. Okay. Seth, come on up, bud. Same thing. Don't lift it up. Come on up, sweetie. Same thing. Hold it. Step right up here. Hold your paper down. Uh, Brooke, come on up. Okay, hold it down. Don't stand that up. Carter, come on up. Hold it down. And Harry, can you help me out? Come on up here. Hold it down. Just like that. Don't lift it up. Okay? Now, you guys squeeze together. I need your help. All right. <clears throat> come on over. Come on over. Here we go. Now I'm going to say, we have a mystery name here today, a mystery person, okay? We have to figure out who the mystery person is, all right? Okay. Now I want you all to say with me, give me an F, okay? Here we go. Here we go. Go. Give me an F. F. F is for forgiveness. When we do things wrong, this person forgives us. Listen, don't talk. I'll separate you. Okay. All right. Here we go. Give me an A. Okay, here we go. Give me an A. Next. All right. This person is attentive. He listens. Even when he's busy, he listens. Okay. okay give me a T. T. Give me a T. There we go. This person teaches us. He may teach us by just listening and offering advice or opening the Bible and showing us important truths. Okay, give me an H. Okay, H. here we go. Give me an H. Good. This person is helpful. When I need help with something, maybe I have a problem or something's going on in my life, I can go to this person and he will help me. E. Here we go. 
Give me an E. Okay. This person is energetic. Even after he's worked hard all day and I have questions or I want to play catch or I need help with something, this person will help me out even when he's really tired. Give me an R. Okay, buddy, you'll hold yours up. There we go. This person is ready, ready to be there for me when I need him, and he's always there. Now, you know, sometimes we grow up in a place where maybe our dad isn't always there. But what's, who's our mystery person here? F-A-T-H-E-R. Father. Here we go. Ready? Father. Father. Yes. And some of us might not have a father with us all the time, but we have a heavenly father who does all these things for us. So today, we recognize dads, and we thank God for them. Okay, you guys have a seat right down here again. Okay? Thank you. All right, now we have something special. I don't even go to bed. (laughs) Who was it, Jason? Wow. Wow. Hey, hey. Anybody else know? Give it to him. <laughs> Give it to Larry. Larry. Mr. Dillon. Hey, hey. Who? <laughs> Ooh. 
Cell phones. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, kids, you can hand me those papers and then you can go out for Children's Church, okay? Thank you for your help. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. have a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being, being here together this morning. We thank you so much for your word and for all that it has to teach us. And Lord, as today we focus on dads and on men, we just pray that you would show us in your word the truths that you have for us. And may they not apply just to the men, but to each and every person here today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of, the, one of my favorite books is a book entitled Disciplines of a Godly Man. I've used it a couple times uh, in Bible studies with men. Uh, I've read it a couple times. And each time I read it, I learn something more. Uh, this morning... What I've done uh, prior to this morning is prepare a special message based on the contents of this book, uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man. And it's a book written by uh, R. Kent Hughes. And uh, if you are inclined to do so, I encourage you to check it out. You can probably get it through Amazon pretty cheaply, inexpensively, uh, or uh, another location. Now, I'm not uh, what you would call, you know, an avid reader. I, I, I read a whole lot more these days than I used to uh, because it's important for me to uh, learn more and more uh, as I serve the Lord. But as far as just going and picking up a book, I'm not that kind of a guy, and probably a lot of you aren't either. But um, this might be a book that uh, would really capture your interest and uh, one that you would be able to continue through and finish it. Uh, but I'd like to share some of the highlights of it. Uh, you have an insert in your bulletin, and it mentions uh, 10 d different disciplines. We're not going to look at all 10 this morning. There's no way we could do that. So I've selected some to just share with you, and then the others are here on your paper and uh, available in that book should you desire to move ahead and do that. Now, uh, as we get started, I have a statement here. Personal discipline is the indispensable key for accomplishing anything in this life. 
if whether we're men or women or whoever we are, if we're going to accomplish anything in this life, we have to have discipline. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks here, man, there's been a lot of sports, uh, a lot of sports stuff happening. Uh, NBA playoffs are taking place. Uh, the World Cup has started. And one of our favorite teams got annihilated the other day. Um, and there's the U.S. Open. And, and there's one one train, one thought that goes through each and every one of these athletic events. The people who are participating and who have made it to that level of accomplishment have been disciplined. Uh, they just don't go out there and, and say, hey, I, I want to play for Argentina in the World Cup. Now, these guys have trained all their lives. Uh, they are in shape. Just watch them run up and down uh, that field which is bigger than a football field, and just run up and down that field for 90 minutes. And, and you, you know they have to be in shape. NBA players, I mean, these guys are muscular and huge and, and just blocking each other out. And, and um, then the U.S. Open. Uh, I, I really enjoy golf. I play it once every five years. And uh, I figure if, if I'm going to pay to go play golf, I'm going to get in as many shots as I can. And, and so, uh, you know, what I do, uh, I've played with some friends in the past, and uh, the guy knew me well, and I only play with certain people. These people have to have a lot of patience. And that's why I play with our sons-in-law. They might not have as much patience, but they respect me as their dad. So uh, that works. But, you know, the boxes on, on a golf scorecard are very small. They're too small for two-digit numbers. So I just write nine 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 nine, and I, I total up nine times nine is eighty one. I go out, I put the thing in my pocket, I go out and play, and I probably get much more than eighty one. If I don't, if I get less than nine on a hole, I'll go back and cross it out. But you know, I, I'm not good at golf. I, I swing the club like a baseball bat, and and that's my downfall. And I keep lifting up my head. I don't know how to keep my head down. Uh, but these guys, you watch them, and they're pinpoint, man. Uh, some of them from uh, over 200 yards out can hit the ball and hit the pin uh, that's on the green. How did they get there? Through discipline. Very disciplined people. Well, as we think about that, I'd like to share a few thoughts from the Word of God, some timeless truths for today. First of all, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Paul is writing and he says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Physical exercise is good. Uh, eating properly is good. Discipline in the physical realm is good. And as the Word of God says, it is only of little profit. Whereas godliness is profitable for all things. And then in Hebrews, we read these words. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
It's amazing to watch how some of these athletes train. Man, they'll, they'll, they'll put these huge weights, tie them to their waist, and then they'll run. And you see them running with these huge weights. Well, can you imagine how it feels to run when those weights are taken off? Man, they can fly. And that's what Paul's talking about here, or the writer of Hebrews is, is saying here. He said, throw off those weights and run. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Paul again. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Uh, very sobering words here from Paul. And uh, we probably, I'm not really big into boxing, uh, but if you like boxing, you've probably seen some who, man, they, they get tired after the sixth round, and they're just kind of flailing in the air and missing their target. And then you see others who are pinned and, and spot on, and, and they, they deck the guy, and they win. Paul talks about not beating the air, and he talks about running with the goal in mind. And so all of this requires discipline. So I'd like us to look at a few, not going to look at all ten, just going to select a few out and have us consider together, first of all, discipline number one, which is the discipline of purity. Impurity and sensuality is the biggest obstacle to godliness, I believe, among Christian men. We're not talking about men of the world, we're talking about Christian men. And all we need to do is look at the life of King David. Man, the Bible talks about David as a, being a man after God's own heart. But he, he was so caught up in sensuality and in immorality that he committed murder and, and some other atrocious, atrocious things during his lifetime. And what happened to David can happen to any one of us. And that's why it's so important for us to uh, be instructed in the Word of God. And as we look at the life of David, the words that uh, I probably read in this book were these. As we look at the life of David and the fall of King David, should not only instruct us, but also scare the sensuality right out of us. When we see what happened in his life, the results of his sin, it really should scare us and should put into us the fear of God to not follow his, his footprints. Well, how can we avoid the, the King David trap? First of all, I believe we must fill ourselves with God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-8. through 8. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Paul goes on to say, That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. Then Job 31.1, Job writes, I made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze at a virgin? 
That word gaze is, is a strong word. You know, we can be walking down the street, walking in, into a store, walking in a restaurant, driving down a road, seeing a billboard, or uh, getting ready to watch a sporting event or whatever on TV, and this stuff, boom, just like that, can flash before our eyes, right? You know what I'm talking about. It can happen. Well, we cannot avoid that. But we can avoid what Paul says here, or, or De, uh, Job says here. I will not gaze. That's to stare, watch it, look at it, take it in. We can't avoid the, the things that pop in front of us. But we can avoid turning around and watching it. We can avoid, stare, avoid staring at it and gazing at it. And that's what Job tells us to do here. He says, I've made a covenant. A covenant. We talked about covenants last week. A promise, a pact, an agreement between us and God. I've made a covenant, Job says. How can I gaze at a woman, at a virgin? And so we men are more prone to this. And we need to be careful of this, very careful. Proverbs 6, 27 can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? We play with fire in so many words. We play with fire, we're going to get burned. Ephesians 5, 3 through 7. Immorality or any impurity must not be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. For because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then Paul writes in Second Timothy, Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Did you catch some of those words in the middle of Ephesians 5? It talks there about there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting. <clears throat> As most of you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were back in New York for Hope's mom's 90th birthday celebration. And there were some people there uh, I knew all but uh, one of the persons who was there. Uh, a gentleman came, and uh, I knew his wife. His wife's uh, husband had died tragically a number of years ago, 20 more years ago. And she had remarried this guy. And as we were talking, uh, I had a nice conversation with him. And they were getting ready to leave. And he comes up to me and says, i got to tell you something. And his wife is standing there, and she says, don't. He says, oh, yeah, 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 i got to tell him. So he starts. And, and he told a, a, a filthy joke. I just looked at him. I said, no. And I walked away. That's how he said goodbye, <laughs> you know? Um, and Hope was standing, I don't know, about eight, ten feet away with um, our daughter. 
and her brother and her and his brother's wife. And I just kind of walked over to them and I said, he told a, a, a dirty joke, didn't he? I said, yes. You know, this is a Christian man. And yet, have you ever been in that situation where, okay, so as to not look too stupid, you kind of laugh and, and go along with it? Have you ever been in that situation? I have. I have. This time I wasn't, but I have. Have you ever been on the other side of it where you told a joke that was less than proper? I have. And you know, I don't know what it is about us guys. We're, we're, we have issues, but you know, uh, that, 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 is an area, that is an area we need to be careful about, wouldn't you say? Laughing at that stuff, participating in it, Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, how can we avoid it? Through the discipline of purity. That's how. Being in the Word. And having someone to keep us accountable. You know, I knew, I knew my wife was over there eight, ten feet away. I knew our one daughter was over there eight, ten feet away. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, I knew they were there. They were kind of observing what was going on. They didn't need to be rocket scientists to see what happened. Well, I knew that whenever that conversation was done, I was going to be going over to my wife. I'm accountable to her. How, how, how can I laugh at that nonsense and then go over to my wife and act like everything's fine? That's where that accountability thing comes in. And so, guys, the only way, the only way we're going to avoid falling into that is by being in the Word, being in prayer, and, and keeping ourselves accountable to someone who will ask us the difficult questions. Okay, Len, did you say anything off-color this week that you shouldn't have? If it's off-color, you shouldn't have. Did you laugh at anything you shouldn't have? Did you look at anything you shouldn't have? Where have you been on the internet? What have you been watching on TV? What have you been reading? Someone who asks us the difficult questions. And then when they're done asking us those difficult questions, and we've answered no, 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 then another question would be, have you just lied to me? It's important. Next discipline, quickly. Let's look at discipline number three. Discipline of mind. The Bible tells us that as Christian men, we have the mind of Christ. says that in 1 Corinthians 2.16. The, the problem is, uh, we are not always, well, we're guilty of, of not thinking biblically. Even though we have the mind of Christ. We're, we're guilty at times of not thinking Christ-like uh, in our thoughts, or in a biblical manner, or in a Christian manner. And discipline of mind is a matter of choice, which again comes from the Word of God. And here's a, a great statement here, but let me read from the, the Word of God, first of all, in Philippians chapter 4, 8. It says, Brethren, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, dwell on these things. Think about this stuff, not this. Think about this. Let your mind dwell on these things, things that are in accordance with the Word of God. And uh, Hughes writes, We can never have a Christian mind without reading the Word of God regularly because we cannot be influenced by that which we do not know. It's true, isn't it? We can't be influenced by something we don't know. If we know the Word of God, we've been in the Word of God, and we've allowed the Word of God to sink into our hearts, man, when that situation comes, boom, it's going to be there. And the Holy Spirit's going to apply it to our lives and help us to be uh, characterized by the discipline of purity, of mind. Next, discipline number five, the discipline of integrity. And we can hardly overstate the importance of integrity. As Christian men, we must be extremely vigilant and on guard to not be like the world around us. That's that's a tough one, isn't it? When we're in the world 24-7, when those of you who work in far more difficult situations than I do, you're, you're surrounded by worldly stuff, it's very, very easy not to be influenced by the world. And again, you know, it always comes back to this. The only way we can avoid being influenced by the world is by being influenced by the Word of God as the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and applies it to our lives. There's no substitute for it, really. And our speech and actions must be intentionally true, and they must be backed up by the courage to keep our word and stand up for our convictions. The Bible says it this way, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Speak the truth in love. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. When we do what is right, even though we know there will be some negative consequences for it, you know, maybe the boss is going to just rake us over the coals, but we've been honest and true and had integrity, God will bless that. Someone has said, sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Discipline number six is the next one we're going to look at, and it goes along with some of what we've looked at already, and that is discipline of tongue. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And this kind of goes along with uh, something I already referred to, the illustration at uh, mom's uh, 90th birthday. We really need to, not literally, but we really need to, from the heart, take this tongue and offer it on the altar to God. Say, Lord, my tongue is yours. And that's how we can avoid saying the things that we shouldn't. We can avoid uh, innuendo and off-color comments and less than edifying speech 
and destructive communication and even gossip and slander. We, we can avoid these things by offering our tongue on the altar to God. Then the last one uh, we're going to look at, which I think kind of wraps them all up for us in a way, is discipline number eight, which is the discipline of perseverance. And in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, we have these words. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Discipline number eight here on our list is a discipline of perseverance. And it presents a picture of perseverance with four different commands. And this is in your notes. The first one is divest. That is, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. That includes sin that, that has a grip on us. It includes things that even hinder us that might not necessarily in and of themselves be wrong. But they can hinder us in our walk. For example, you all know that I really like sports. But you know, if I watch sports too much, that can be one of these things that God says, Lend, divest yourself of that. Throw it off. You're too wrapped up in it. It's hindering your walk with me. That's a possibility. It's not wrong in and of itself, but it can be if it's hindering my walk with the Lord. The, the second thing uh, that the writer of Hebrews mentions here is run, to run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Each of us can finish our God-given race. And you know, our God-given race is all different. It's all different for each one of us. But we can finish it as we follow God's word here. Then The next then is focus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. You know, there was not a millisecond in which Jesus Christ took his eyes off God the Father. And if he wouldn't do that, how much more do we need to follow his example? And then <clears throat> the fourth is consider, consider him. Our life is to be invested, considering how Jesus lived, and then following his example. You know, we guys, we sweat. And I, and I, and I used to say that women perspire, but I, I was given a new word last week. A, a, a lady gave me a different word. No, w- women don't even perspire. Women glisten. Okay? So, from now on, you glisten. All right? Uh, but, men, we sweat. But, you know, the Bible, I believe, talks about holy sweat. We need to be characterized by holy sweat. Paul says, and we looked at this as we started, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit 
but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. If we're going to be godly men, we need to be characterized by holy sweat. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take, uh, in the analogy, it's going to take pulling those heavy weights. It's going to take lifting those heavy weights. It's going to take running up and down the stadium stairs. It's going to take the discipline of being committed to what God has for us to do. And when we do that, we're going to be profusely sweating. Holy sweat. But the result will be good. And Paul says this. Not I, but the grace of God that is with me. How can we follow these disciplines? How can we be true to these disciplines? Not by any energy that we can work up in ourselves, believe me. It's all grace. You know that that song that we sang last week? Man, that, that song's been going through my head all week. Everything is of grace. Everything. Everything that you and I do that is good is of grace. And if we follow these disciplines and and live a life that blesses God, it's all of grace. But imagine the lives it will touch, starting with us, and then into our marriages if we have the privilege of being married, and into our families if we have the privilege of having children, grandchildren, and so on. The holy sweat will have a wonderful influence, not only in our own life, but in the lives of those around us. I, I want to be committed to that. Don't you? That we can be men of God who bring glory to him. Years ago, I, you know how we always, God bless America, God bless America, God bless America. And I, and I like that. That's good. But I saw a t-shirt said, America, bless God. <laughs> that says it for me. And you know, like, uh, Becky mentioned to us this morning. You know, we, we pray, God bless me or bless my, my wife, bless my family, so on and so forth. I like the idea, actually, Len, bless God. Bless God. Your name, bless God. How can we do that? By being characterized by these disciplines. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and what has shown us. And Lord, we know it's all by grace. We know that even our salvation, our starting point, is all of grace. And then our walk with you, our living for you, our glorifying you is all of grace, your grace. I pray for anyone here who has never really begun the journey with you by your grace, through faith in you, by surrendering all they are and all they have to you. I pray that today would be that day. And Lord, I pray that we as men, in how you have applied this message to our, our, our ladies as well, that we would be characterized by these disciplines and that we would bless you and bring glory to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
As we prepare to go to prayer, I would like to ask if you would